Boom! Almost. There Happy Monday. My favorite day of the week. Dude, it's been a long Monday so far. We'll tell you oh, why. Man. Can't wait Very to hear all about soon. it. Hit it, Ham. Hitting the right button this time. <laughs> Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business and social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros. <laughs> Man, talk about the business. Today's Dang. been a super long day, dude. I mean, yeah. All right. So, first of all, wait, wait, I mean, wait, wait, wait. Did you catch a nap? I did not nap today. I did not oh, okay. nap today. So, uh, so normally I do have that nap gap, but today I was like, you know what? I need to get back, uh, more on a schedule of going to bed at a reasonable time. Mm-hmm, so I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, and by reasonable, Dang. I mean, I've been going to bed like at 10 30 or something. It's not like super late or anything, but if you get up at four 20 in the morning, you gotta be in bed by that, like nine 30. Yeah. It, it, it makes a difference. So today yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to push through, right? It's day one distant learning. It's day one of getting back into the groove of things. Uh, so started the day with that, you know, uh, wake up at four 20 in the morning. we got our 5. AM club. I did my workout. I went for a Good run. Day. Right. And, uh, I mean, so let me tell you a little bit about this whole distant learning thing, him. So tell me, uh, tell me, tell me. I'll, I'll be 100% honest. Uh, we are trying to figure it out as we go. We did the best we possibly could in planning. And I'm talking about, you know, everything from the districts trying to figure things out to the, the schools trying to figure things out to the teachers are trying to figure things out to the students are trying to figure things out, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's mm-hmm. going in this whole new, uh, you know, curriculum, this whole new way of learning. And so we spent, you know, at least, you know, the, the math team and I have been working on what we're going to do throughout the summer. Cause we didn't want it to be a surprise at the end. Like, okay, figure it out. Right. And even though we put in, you know, six weeks worth of work, uh, when it comes down to that first week, all of a sudden it's like, it didn't matter what you prepped for. You're still, now it's the day <laughs> one, right? Now, it's the, now that's the day that, that everything's going to happen and nothing ever goes the way you plan it to, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're overprepared, but then the reaction of what actually happens is, is different. You plan so, and plan and plan. And then when like reality hits, it's nothing like what you planned for. It's nothing like what you planned for. Right. So uh, things like, uh, getting our kids rosters in place, you know, we, we finally got access to having the kids, you know, email addresses. So we sent out all our information to the kids, you know, make sure you log in at this time. Here's your class code. Here's, you know, all this stuff. Uh, and, and I'll be honest, I mean, it's, I, I expected much less. I, and, you know, most of my classes have about like 30 to like 34 kids, something like that. And, and I got a good chunk of kids that showed up today. It was like a good 28, 29 kids in my classes. So nothing different than a, than a regular start day, but, uh, it was totally weird cause I didn't really get to see faces. I saw a few faces cause some of them decided to have mm-hmm, their camera mm-hmm. on, but some of them didn't. Uh, I heard a few voices because I took role like old school style, you know, like A.A. Ron. Oh, nice. A.A. Ron. D. Nice. Right. So I took role you, the old fashioned so, way. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really curious, like um, how many students are you supposed to have? How many did you have uh, and how many like actually showed their cam? 
So I'm supposed to have it, it ranges, right? But it was about 30, 30 something, 30, 30 to 34 kids. Um, about 28 showed up for each class. Okay. And of so the, the majority, maybe, yeah, maybe like three turned on their camera. And I think it was mostly okay. at the beginning of class, like where you sign on and the camera's like automatically on. <laughs> uh-huh. And they're okay. like, oh, hey, how's it going? And then they shut their camera off, right? I mean, our school district's not requiring the kids uh, to be on, on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have how to find you, other creative ways to do that. How do you feel about that? that? How do you feel about that? I mean, it has its pros and cons. Like, you know, on, on the plus side it, for the kids, like what if, you know, behind them, you know, what, imagine being a, a one of four kids, right? And mm-hmm. you have a bunch of little brothers and sisters or, you running know, around or in their chonies. running around in the background. Like it could be embarrassing for the kids to be able to sure. have the camera on, right? But on the flip side, like I like to engage with my students, right? Like right. that's one of the reasons why I really like teaching is because I get to, you know, figure out who their personalities are. You find out which ones are the clowns and which ones are the smart butts and which ones are, you know, all the different types of personalities are in the in the classroom. Uh, and then as a teacher, you kind of you, you get to work with what you got, right? You get to mold with what you got. Some of them get attention in a certain way because that's how they learn better, right? Or, you know, these ones need a little more support for, uh, I don't know, classwork. And these ones need a little more emotional support. And whatever it is, you're guiding them all in the in that same direction. But when they're online, you don't really get that as much. Like, you know, I, I got to see a few faces and I got to hear a few voices, but I didn't get to really, I don't really know them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know these kids uh, at, at all and it's really. gonna it's gonna yeah it's gonna be tough to get to know them because this is how this is the new normal right this is gonna be that that things go for the foreseeable future and so you're not gonna be able to see the that like gather in one little corner and are messing around and like which one's doing the little paper airplanes or shooting the paper clips with the rubber bands and none of that stuff no but and, and here's the thing here's the other side of it is is you still have the kids that are doing that, right? Like there are still going to be some of those kids who, you know, you're on here trying to teach them something and they're playing Fortnite or they're watching oh, yeah. TikToks because they don't have to really, really pay attention. And there are so many things that are easily, that they can get distracted on easily. So okay, here's it's very much the you. honor system. Here's another question for you. I mean, it is the honor system, but at the end of last year when the semester ended, there was no grades right whatever grade that they came in with that's the grade that they ended the semester with right they They could could improve they could improve their grade but they couldn't like go down right right is that still the same now or are they actually going to have a grade no now they have now it's it's fully graded like you don't do the work you don't get the grade you know but that brings a whole other side of of what we're thinking about when we're when we're creating curriculum right so it's one thing to be able to teach them, right? And we're assuming that they're listening. It's another thing to see what they're actually listening. So one of the biggest things in teaching is, is to check for understanding on a regular basis. Like just right. because you explain something on the board, just because you showed an example doesn't necessarily mean that the person who's listening or quote unquote listening, right, <laughs> is looking at you, but not necessarily listening to you, is that they, they understood it, right? Or maybe they didn't understand what you intended them to understand. So we often in, in the classroom, we'll check for understanding, right? We'll do little exit slips. We'll ask, you know, we'll, we'll put them on the spot. We'll have them share out. We'll do little activities. Well, a lot of that stuff is difficult to do online, but luckily we live in a, I mean, imagine doing 
this kind of learning, you know, 10 years ago, there's like no way, at least today, we have the capability of almost every single student jump on and and do some distant learning. Ooh, and I got a speaking of jumping right on, right? Dr. Ra, what's, <laughs> what's up, brother? <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, what's going on? You guys uh, picked a topic that I really like talking about teaching. So, um, of oh, dude, man. So, so today's day one distant learning. So we had a bunch of kids uh, sign on and get get in class today, but it was all virtual, all Dr. Rob, just like Dr. This, Rob. Just do you like have this. any kids? No, no. Oh, okay, good. Me neither. Dr. Yeah. Rob, he's a big kid. He's got like you. I ain't got to worry about this. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine, well, man. Imagine, imagine, like we were in school. It was always in class, and I'm not saying that. Uh, you know, we had the best education possible because we were in person. I, there's still. I mean, this is the beginning of what could be the next best point in education, right? I, I honestly, I talk about all the time, University of Google, University of YouTube. It's not the information now. It's like, how do you validate that information? How is that something that is, uh, I don't know, verified on the one sense? And on the other sense, how do you apply that, right? Like, it's one thing to learn and know things. It's another thing to take that information and apply it. And, and I think it, this whole distant learning thing is going to make not only the students a little bit better in becoming more diligent in what they learn and how they learn it, but the educators as well. Like now we have to take everything we've known in the past and like flip it on its head and, and find ways to really uh, engage a lot of these kids. Yeah. So what's the question? Well, I, didn't, I, didn't really have a question. I didn't really have a question. I'm just kind of sharing now. I'm just kind of sharing now. What, 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 what's you, the question? Yeah. I didn't, uh, ha I didn't ask a question. Yeah, I'm just messing with you, man. Um, no, you're you're absolutely right. And uh, you know, I went to I went to University of Phoenix, so I did a combination of distance learning and then uh, like one once a year residency. So distance learning has always been um, you know, it's been around since the 70s. Um, so it's it's not a, a brand new model, but now we've had to adapt to it. And really the only difference is it takes away the social dynamic of school. And mm -hmm. You know, it's just like homeschooling your kids. I mean, I mean, you take away the the dynamics, the good and the bad of you know going to school with a bunch of kids, and and um, you know every everybody has like either one side or another. They despise school because they're being messed with every single day, or just in conflict with people, or they love school because they're popular. They just get through it. They you know go on to have these great lives. So it's um it, or they it peak is in high school. Yeah, or they, yeah, and but the beauty of it, the real, the real advantage is the opportunity I feel for project based learning. So that's why I did my doctoral dissertation on um, the fact that I, I feel like we could be more creative with the curriculum. Um, I feel like uh, teachers are going to be able to be given uh, a little bit more leeway, maybe, and they're going to be able to be more. They're going to let kids like try entrepreneurial stuff and, and, you know, different things. Like this really is our chance to change education. And my buddy, Manny Wolf yeah. is creating this crazy, like educational model. I don't know all the details yet, but if you don't know Manny Wolf, you should probably reach out to him. Um, his, his stuff is, is going to be crazy. He's got educators. He's doing all these lives and stuff. Uh, he's got educators from around the globe and they're, they're doing these big summits. So, yeah. and, and, when you're talking project-based learning, you're talking you're talking do learning as you go, right? And in in creating curriculum where these kids are not just 
reading and, and taking a standardized test, but they're, it's application. Exactly. And so um, anytime you hear about like a lot of the RLP courses or anything, it's uh, kinesthetic tactile. Um, it, it, it just like you said, like high school, uh, what's it called? High tech high. Mm-hmm. is is uh, a big proponent of project-based learning. And all it is, is is you just, you take a concept, you let the kid pick whatever project they want to do, and then they, they have to create their own timeline, milestones. Um, and then you give them the resources and you say, okay, your presentation is due on this date. You know, here's what you come up with. And they make like a cookbook or they interview somebody and put it in a newspaper or they, you know, write a book and self-publish. But project-based learning is super powerful because it really does just take away all the... Um, the rote memorization, the testing, all the stress. It's really fun when you can pick your own topic and make something, um, you know, in a subject you like, like you guys doing, uh, you know, creating a, a course about podcasts or, you know, uh, how to interview famous people and you turn it into an ebook, something like that. Like when you get, take a kid and they get excited about something, whether it's video games or Pokemon or whatever, and they get to actually do schoolwork on it, it mm. becomes fun. Dude, that, sure. you're you're 100 because that's the problem with a lot of kids in education right now. It is boring. It, yeah, yeah th- there is no connection between what they're doing in their life and what mm-hmm. they're learning in the classroom. And because there's there's no connection there, that's when the they're, kids check out. That's when they're done. 100. I I was always that kid that was like, why the hell am I learning the root vision of the hypotenuse of C or whatever the hell? I, I can't even speak language anymore. But you know all those things that, that, that never applied to me. So I was always a terrible student. When I got out of the Navy, first thing I did was get my insurance license and start working in this insurance company. And then the next thing I did, uh, or basically at the same time, was enroll myself in uh, school. I got my business degree from National University. So um, as I was learning product management and finance in school, I was turning around and applying it in my business. So right. that project-based learning, that's so freaking powerful that's that's the difference between engagement and and regular learning like i I went over an activity today that i learned from uh from jim quick's book uh limitless and he has like 10 words that he has you try to memorize right he just says these 10 words he's like okay try try to tell me those 10 words that i just told you you know say say them back to me and of course most people can do you know two three maybe four words tops out of the Mm -hmm. 10 that they heard and then he shows you how to take those 10 words and turn them into pictures and turn them into a story. And all of a sudden, even though the story is ridiculous and it makes zero sense whatsoever, now I can tell you that same list of words forwards and backwards because I've applied a different way of learning it. And, and that's, that's, I think, what, what this whole distant learning thing is going to have to do. We're going to have to take learning and use some of these other modalities, some of these other tactics. I mean, you were talking about rote learning. Like it's just, you know, I could say the same word over and over and over and over again, like we've been trained to do, or we can use other ways of learning, other ways to put it into action so that these kids have an opportunity to say, holy crap, I actually like this thing. I want to learn more, (laughs) right? We all want to learn. We just don't want to learn what you're telling me about. I want to learn something that is important to me. You, you nailed it. And so when I was a teacher at Morse, um, the, the biggest problem with, with math in particular, like math is the most hated subject. It always has been. And, and the biggest problem is that no one has ever just sat back and said, okay, 
what's what fun things can we do once we learn algebra once we learn geometry once we learn trig and so i was lucky enough to be an engineering teacher so i got to take i got to teach the kids like how to do trig and and use rulers and measurements all stuff and then we'd go make like a catapult and then we'd go build like you know mousetrap cars or we'd uh build robots that had like sensors that plugged into the computer and and they really loved it because they could see like they could do calculations and they could mm -hmm, understand the mm -hmm. difference and one time because I was engineering design, we actually made portfolios and I invented a stock market game. We went for five days and I, I showed them what the stock market was like. I printed up dollar certificate, like stock certificates, fake money, all this stuff. And they would they would have done that for the entire year if if I if I'd have let them. Like they were having so much fun. But it's just real world applications to things instead of just rote memorization, like trying to figure out equations and stuff, which aren't really that sexy. No, they're Facts. boring. They, they just, they just yeah. are, right? And, and any of the equations that you use in your real life, it's because you use them for something, right? right? That, that, that's the whole point. Like, you know, calculus is horribly difficult for that student that's getting into calculus. But the one that's, you know, going out there and building bridges and the one that's putting it into use, all of a sudden, that's a useful thing that you put into play. And that's, that's a big difference. Like, you know, in, in financial algebra, I always try to bring that about from the kids. I'm like, there's something that you already love to do, right? There's already something inside you and, and don't go to the default video games. Cause that's, that's something that mm. consumes your time. Some of you are, 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 can turn it into something, but for most of you, that's just a time consumption. There's something innate inside you. Like there's multiple levels of intelligence just because you don't have academic intelligence. Doesn't mean you're not good at music. Doesn't mean you're not good at, you know, I don't know, making food or, or building things. Like there's so many different ways that you can become educated and yeah. become successful outside of our, of our regular curriculum. No, absolutely. And what you're talking about, and this is this is something I need to make some some uh, uh, content on for entrepreneurs, but there's a big difference between education, aptitude, intelligence, wisdom, and um, a genius. And hmm. I've spent a lot of time reading about this topic because you guys know I have a giant learning disability. I failed at a high school and two colleges. And for years and years and years, I was called stupid by everyone around me, including some family members. And, and it's just... It, it turns out that I was a high aptitude guy that just had trouble focusing in a classroom. And so you're right. Um, or not, because a lot of people are not going to benefit from standardized tests. Um, but they are really good at something as far as like Michael Flatley was a terrible student, the river dance guy. And, you know, if, if he'd have been around in the eighties or, or in the nineties, um, as a kid and he, he just wanted to dance and, and they would have put him on like drugs and they would have said, you know, pay attention in school and read your books and, you know, do your homework on shit. And all he wants to do is all he wants to do is, um, you know, dance. That's his aptitude. And then he became this amazing dancer because tests are not going to help him if he's really high aptitude at something. Mm -hmm. And so you look at Henry Ford, like, I think he dropped out in like eighth grade but he was just tremendously mechanically inclined. Um, the books that helped me the most are these two guys named Sternberg and um, Sternberg and anyway, Gardner. And one was a PhD at Yale. And one's a PhD at Harvard. And they're like Biggie and Tupac. Like they hate each other, and, <laughs> and them, but they, they're both really good at personality styles. And so like one of them talks about in this book, uh, successful intelligence, 
that there are three types of learning styles. So there's analytical, who are your scientists and your engineers. There's creative, you know, the people that make stuff and create things and have wild thoughts. And then there's practical, like street smart. And so Sternberg talks about the importance of each and how testing is kind of useless for a lot of things. If you're not analytical, you know, if you're not going to be a scientist or an engineer, uh, testing is not as important. And then um, the other guy, Sternberg and Gardner, Gardner is, um, he talks about the different aptitudes. So he talks about musical intelligence. He talks about linguistic intelligence, um, intra and interpersonal relationships. You ever know anyone that's super socially awkward and every time they, they like, you, you take them to a party or something, they're always like either insulting people or saying stupid stuff. Like that, <laughs> that is intrapersonal uh, intelligence. And so um, by reading these guys' books, and I've probably read 10 between both of them, I learned a lot more about how my brain works, about how aptitude works, about how testing doesn't show actual emotional intelligence. It doesn't show morality. It doesn't show like uh, social graces. I mean, it's pretty awesome if you could take a test and, you know, memorize every single answer but if you go to the, finally get hired at the workplace and you're like, you know, harassing every woman there and your hygiene is terrible. And every time, every other word you say is, is a profanity, you know, you're, yeah, the, the testing, yeah, the testing is not going to show any of that. Right. And so, um, I just feel like we're still teaching, like we're an agrarian society. We need to start looking at different options, giving kids more choices, and especially now's the, now's the time to do it with, you know, the distance learning revolution. So let's, yeah. Let's not um, just send them all to college. Let's uh, let's help foster them and grow them if they have an aptitude to something. And let's teach them, like you said, YouTube University. Not every kid needs to go to college to get a degree if they're super good at programming, if they're super good at you know mm -hmm, writing mm -hmm. or something like that. Do it like I did and just create your own job. Well, let me let me ask you, because you said you were a terrible student. And then you went and got your PhD. Like what shifted? Like, how did you, I mean, it, it's not like you got a new brain or anything. Something shifted in, in the, in the way either you approached education, the way education came at you, um, your drive motivation. What, what is it that allowed you to like, you know, crap out in high school and then all of a sudden turn it around? It's a complex question. Um, because when I got into, college, uh, for the third time I was in the military. So I was away from my family. That was the biggest thing was, was I didn't have the harmful environment next to me. Um, uh, got away from all my bad influences. So that was the start is just stability. And then when I got out of the military and I went to San Diego, my situation wasn't great. Like I was sleeping on the couch and towing trucks, but my focus was better. I understood my learning style better. And I, I learned, um, you know, as I'm teaching myself speed learning, that eventually became the, the book. Um, I learned that drawing diagrams and using colors and, um, and drawing pictures really helped, uh, reinforce learning and it helped me to keep focused longer. Mm -hmm. So my, my, my brain matured, I guess. Well, I think, I think more along the lines of you, you learn to learn, right? Because like yeah. I, I was, I was explaining to the kids today, you know, when, when, when I say, you know, red chair or red chair, blue dog, you didn't see the word red. You didn't see the word chair. You didn't see the word blue. You know, you didn't see those. You pictured it, right? Your mind automatically made that image in your head. And yet when we're taught to do things, we're taught to sound the word out, right? And look at the word and, and say it out loud. And what's the definition of that word? But if we could just create that kind of, of, of different visual in our head, we can understand what that word means a lot easier and then use it 
more often, right? Um, and and shifting our learning style, I think, is is one of those things. And and when you're describing it, I mean, you went from yeah, the environment definitely is helpful, right? Cut out all the distractions. Don't listen to people who tell you you can't do it because you can, right? right. But at the same time, figure out who you are and how you learn, and 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 how to take that intelligence that you have and use it to your advantage. So I'll, I'll tell you something that was interesting <clears throat> was one of the other projects we did when I was an engineering teacher in high school was uh, we did, we did um, this project where I would have three kids and each of them had a different role in the business. They would design a product, they would draw it, they would present together as a group. But what was interesting was they all had positions. Like one was the CEO, one was the financier, and one was the designer. And so if you have somebody that, you know, you take any three random people, like there's going to be a leader role, there's going to be a couple worker bees and, and you got to really go with your strengths, but you also have to put, you have to rotate out the seats so that eventually the worker bee gets to find out what it's like to be the leader. And some people have really crippling social anxiety and you learn a lot from trying different stuff. And so when we did that, when we did that exercise, the kids really liked it. They had a, they had a good time, but it, what was most interesting was watching who volunteered for the leader role, who volunteered for the worker role, and who just wanted to be the quiet drawing sketch person, you know, meticulous, detail-oriented in the corner, but didn't want to, you know, talk to anybody. So it, it's important to kind of look at your personality traits as well. What do you think about putting them on the spot, though? Like, it's one thing to volunteer to be the quiet one, one thing to volunteer to be the leader, right? But you talked about rotating them, right? So putting yeah. that person who's who's quiet into that leadership role, may, you know, in my, in my mind, they're always worried about today about too much social anxiety and putting too much pressure and, hmm. and, you know, but, but that is where we learn that, that, that discomfort. That's the part where we spark. Like you never know if you never put that kid in a leader leadership position, that kid will never know what it's like to lead. And maybe if he gets a taste of it, he's the next big thing, right? The next major CEO, the man, it just, it's like you get bit and that's it. You're you're addicted to that kind of lifestyle, but we don't take them out of the comfort zone. We live in this society of, you know, participation trophies and it's okay and don't worry and you you we don't want to put you in a stressful situation. I I feel like those stressful situations are actually positive things. What do you think? I was always very tactful about it because I was a shy kid and I understood, you know, it's, teachers forget sometimes that for some kids uh, public speaking, getting up in front of 30 kids is terrifying. And mm -hmm. so I was always very gentle. I, I tried not to force anybody and I talked with them. If they showed anxiety, I would sit down with them for like five minutes and just talk to them and say, look, nothing bad's going to happen. Just relax. Nobody's going to say anything, you know, just, just get up there and, and, uh, and read your paper. And, and you didn't have to, I mean, it wasn't college. Like, you, you know, you can, in high school, you can get away with just reading from a piece of paper and just presenting and then sitting down really quick. Like it's not, yeah. You know, it's not it's not a harrowing experience like in in, in uh, grad school when my my instructor says, um, hey, start over. You're reading you're reading from your notes too much and just calls me out in front of everybody. You know, it's, <laughs> it's so you're an adult like nobody cares about your feelings. But um, I, I, I definitely think there's value to that. And I, I really started learning this lesson um, in the in the in the military, actually, because when I go to Korea, I probably sat eight different positions. And a lot of times I'll go there. And I go to the Korean peninsula and the, the ops floor and they'll say, okay, you're going to work this job. And it's a job I've never done before. And so at least five times I've sat in a completely 
uh, foreign job where I, uh, you know, I've worked personnel rescue. I'm not a JPRC guy. I'm not a, a search and rescue guy. And they're like, yep, go up to office and start, uh, start taking down reports, start briefing the floor, start, uh, you know, searching the map and coordinates and looking for down pilots in this virtual exercise. And I, I went and did it and I, I did well, but, but, you know, it's important to try these new experiences and to teach kids that, Hey, you got to get out of your comfort zone if you want to grow. It's it's where the experience happens, man. Like, yeah, I, I get I get shit on all the time because I don't want to travel anywhere. I mean, it, <laughs> the family always, it, you know, wife gets on my case, James Boring. gets on my case, right? Yeah. But the truth is, when you do step out and you're there, the experience, even the bad stuff, even the traffic or the road trips or those bathroom breaks or that bad food, all those experiences make you who you are, and 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 it gives you perspective it gives you if if anything you you appreciate and you're grateful for what you do have and where you come from uh and and it makes you that much of a better individual and all that all that is all part of learning and you know going back to the whole distant learning thing it's different for teachers that are out there right they're all like flipping out and tripping and 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 scared because they don't know how things are going to go. They've never done this before. Or, you know, the technology might fall out. Yeah, I was was going to say, like, can you imagine those, those like old tenured teachers that have been teaching the (laughs) same way for 25 years. And now all of a sudden, like they have to learn zoom and all this other stuff. And like, yeah, exactly. And and you're, you know, you, it comes down to, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, I think you can. It's just the old dog's got to want to learn them. And mm-hmm. just like the kids, right? The kids, here, here's the advantage of, for these kids. Though. These kids, the ninth graders coming in, were born in 2006. They don't know life without the internet, right? This right. is all they know. So for them, the transition is way easier. If anything, you as the educator are behind the curve and you need to catch up to their world, right? Now you mm-hmm. need to learn all the tricks and, the, you know, all the cheating tricks, all the They'll little quirks, you. all They'll the little you. stuff. You're going to get schooled, right? And, and but again, there's nothing wrong with this discomfort. The fact that you had a troublesome day, the fact that your Wi-Fi went out, the fact that you know your PowerPoint slide didn't work or whatever, all experiences that right now they suck. And next year they're gonna be like, remember that? Yeah, that was but also was- yeah, and you know on that point, year it is gonna be back to what it was last year. More than likely, right? I mean, this distant learning, that's not forever. Or could it be? I don't think, I mean, I personally don't that it could be. I think there's way too much dependence on both parents working, both parents having full-time jobs. Like we've been in a, in a income economy for a long time. And I don't know. I mean, are we ready to go back to, is is it even going to be one income or is it going to be where one parent has to have a job where they can stay at home because kids are all going virtual? Like, is that going to, I don't know. I, I I don't necessarily see it as something that's going to be permanent. I think it's interesting because what this is doing is it's showing people the possibilities of working from home and learning from home and that they can make income from home. And which is why you, you guys know I run this course and I teach these income streams and I, I want everyone to learn how to do what I'm doing, like to make seven income streams and not have an income cap and make as much money as you want and never have a boss. And I've met people Mm -hmm. that, you know, got it way ahead of me. Um, You know, Scott Oldford, who I interviewed in my magazine, he had a company by like, I want to say he started his first company at 15 and he hit seven figures in his early twenties. 
and then he lost it all and then he gained it all back. He's one of the craziest people I've ever, like his story is the craziest thing I've ever heard. But the point is, is that if we get comfortable with distant learning, we can also learn business. We can also learn entrepreneurship. There are, you know, 25 business models you can start from your house that are free, like cost nothing. Most of them don't even need a business license. And and I, I wish I wish I could just send my message out to the world. Like if you can learn from, from home and get used to it and understand tech, just like we're doing right now, if you can do these calls, you can create an event over Zoom for free and sell tickets. You can, you know, you can really do some some high-tech hustling just by figuring out what your aptitude is and then, you know, market it, turn it into a product and then sell it. I taught my 15 year old nephew how to make an ebook. He made $20 in sales within a week. He just wrote a little ebook about computers. So in, I don't know, man. That, I, I just get frustrated. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and no, I agree with you. I mean, there's, there's lots of ways for you to be able to do stuff, stuff like that. But at the same time, there's also things that we need done as, as, a, as a species, right? As a society, there are jobs and, and opportunities within our, our, you know, normal way of doing things. We need people to help build homes. We need people to fix cars. We need people to unclog toilets. We need people, you know, all these, all these tech jobs that are not four-year university jobs. These are certification right. jobs. These are, you know, you don't need to, to go into huge amounts of debt to be able to have a certification, uh, some sort of clearance, some sort of, you know, professional designation so that you go out there and make, you know, six figures in a year doing that, uh, a skill that, that is, that is, I mean, dude, a plumber, for example, you know, there's shortage of plumbers. Why? Because for the last 20 years, we said that was a shit job, pun intended, right? Like that, that was not <laughs> the job that you wanted to go to. You didn't want to be a plumber. You wanted to go to college and get that four-year degree, but that plumber could be making 80, 90 bucks an hour right now. Right, my, because there's my, my best friend's a plumber. He has a very nice BMW and a great apartment. And yeah, he's murdering. What you got to remember is that, especially right now, any type of skilled labor is just murdering with money because because they're essential and they've got mm -hmm. more jobs than ever, and they're they're in vital need. You know, you look at healthcare and cops; they're getting so much overtime right now. And it's, you're right, you're right. There is there's always going to be a skilled labor uh, requirement. And especially now, you know, you, you're seeing some really weird shifts in the in the way that in the way that like restaurant and the gig economy is shrinking a bit, like especially just just restaurants, gyms, certain types of industries, hairstylists, nail salons, things like that. Anything with a brick and mortar is, is damaged in some way or another. And so all these people are now on unemployment and they're having to really look at their options, whereas a lot of entrepreneurs can weather the storm. Like this didn't hit me that hard. Like I had to shift mm -hmm. a few things and work a little harder, but, but I'm, I'm very lucky that I'm not, you know, in retail or like, you know, working at Macy's or, or like waiting tables or anything. Cause then I would be host because mm -hmm. if you have a standardized position, but you don't have any skilled training then, and your, your, you know, your store or restaurant closes, then you, you better figure something out real quick because unemployment doesn't last forever. That restaurant industry, man. I mean, I keep seeing stats that half of them are going to survive this. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's, yeah it's Done. huge. It's huge. Yeah. And I mean, and so just the, yeah. And, but think about all the jobs that are just in that industry, not just the yeah. waiters. I mean, you're talking food vendors, you're talking deliveries, you're talking, you know, truck drivers. I mean, you, there's all kinds of different uh, yeah. subsidiaries to, to, to that, that whole environment of, of, 
uh, employment. Like there's, there's so many things that are going to go down because of that. But at the same time, there's so many opportunities. And Amazon and delivery are going crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's out there delivering stuff. Amazon's, you know, paying 15 an hour and, and it, for fulfillment centers um, because Amazon's expanding, whether it's good or bad, I don't know, but, but at least mm-hmm. like they're, they're the only ones offering jobs right now. So yeah, you, you look at the shifts and you look at what's going on. The business guys, I'm going to blow your mind here. The business to start right now is home gym consultant. I went to big five the other day and I was trying to get some weights and they're completely out. They have a line every Monday for the weight shipment because everybody's making home gyms. So what if somebody like contracts with a moving company and once a week, like just, just gets a bunch of weights, becomes a home gym consultant and just sells their own, you know, branded weight sets to people. Like this is what they have to think because all the gyms are closed. There's so Mm. many opportunities right now. It's crazy. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, and the thing is, are you training yourself to see opportunities versus problems? Right. I mean, we all are, we all are living the same in the same world. We all see the same stories, but are we training ourselves to see opportunities? I don't know, man. It's a, it's going to be a weird one, dude. Dr. Rob, thanks for hopping on with us today, man. Yeah, it was fun to, it's fun to catch up and uh, you guys have just been doing great lately. I'm real proud of both of you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's a matter of being consistent, right? You figure it out as you go. Who knows? That's what I tell my teacher, my teacher buddies, the same thing with the students. Look, expect to fail at the beginning. We don't have it all figured mm-hmm. out, right? We're going to just try some stuff and we're going to, we're going to do our best and we're going to try to modify and adapt as we go. And in time we will find a groove, right? And when we find a groove, everything's going to get, you know, better and better as we go forward. So, you know, if you're, if you're a teacher out there, keep pushing forward, you know, there's hiccups, there's bumps, but it'll get easier. And if you're a student, how about your teachers, man? I know you know more stuff. Contribute. Be part of the conversation. Make Especially if it's an older teacher that's again. been there forever. Yeah. Make right? class fun again. Put a red hat on. Raise. Nice. <laughs> nice. All right, Dr. Rob, uh, before we go, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on my main website, which is yournextlevelofsuccess.com, or you can hit me up on Facebook. Boom. All right, all right. And check out his lives, man. Dr. Rob, always putting out the good content, always putting out, I mean, a bunch of free training on the daily. So you guys want some ideas? Check out his stuff. Uh, Thanks, guys. It was great catching up. You too. All right, ladies and gents, that's all we got for you guys today. Peace. Bye-bye. And we're out. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.